Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today to the JTP Church Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message. If you want to share with us what God is doing in your life, you can write us at hello at jtp.church. If you would like to partner with us and make a financial gift to our ministry, you can visit us at www.jtp.church and make a donation. Now sit back and enjoy the message. If God is for us, who can be against us? Amen. You guys may be seated. It's good to be in the house of God. It's good to be here once again. This is the third and final service of this Sunday. I know they just finished recognizing all the fathers, but can you guys raise your hand, all the fathers, so I could see them from up here? All right, come on. Can we give another hand to these men of God? Amazing. Being a father is such a privilege. Thanks, worship team, for leading us to the presence of God. And I want to share a little bit. Maybe you recognize this title. I titled it A Few Good Men. And I think that God is searching for good men. And unfortunately, in this society, they're kind of extinct. So we're going to be talking about in search for a few good men. And a small boy came and he said, Father's Day is just like Mother's Day. Only you don't spend as much on the gift. <laughs> and Mark Twain said, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to 21, I was astonished at how much the old man learned in seven years. It's funny how things change, right, as you grow older. I have to thank God for the family that I was born in. I really, honestly, considered myself privileged. I know that a lot of people didn't have privilege of being born in a home where they had a good father there as a role model. Uh, some people didn't even have a father, period. And I just, I just consider myself privileged to be able to have been born in a family where I received an example, not just verbally, but with actions. Amen? I really treasure that in my heart, and I think that um, that's something that I have to pass down to my son. I think that being a father, it's an immense privilege. How many say amen? Especially the fathers. I mean, you should be the first ones there. Um, being a father, it's an immense privilege, and it's something that totally changed my life. When I had Luca, I, I told everybody in my family, and I told everybody that was a father, I go, man, when you're a father, it's the biggest gift in your life. It's amazing. There's just this incredible thing, and, and I think it's because God is a father, right? And the Bible says that we were created to the image and likeness of God. So when we're being a father to our children, we're being what God is to us, amen? And you know, sometimes we didn't have the right role models. Sometimes we didn't have everything that we needed, all the tools. We didn't have that wisdom to be able to impart. Or maybe we didn't have a father to be able to uh, teach us how to be fathers the day that, you know, it's our turn to become fathers. But the Bible says this, and, and I just wanted to share it with you. I think Carly mentioned it. It's in Psalms 27.10, and it says, When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. So even if you didn't have, because sometimes we say, yeah, but I didn't have the opportunity of having a father that will teach me how to be a man. But if you didn't have the privilege of having a father teach you how to be a man or how to be a good father, the Bible says that God himself will teach you. How many say amen to that? He is father to the fatherless. Come on, can we give a round of applause for God? He is everything we could ever need. And today I want to speak a little bit about that. 
and search for a few good men. And I want you to go with me to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 22, verse 30. This is a powerful verse that I've always loved, and I want to share it with you. Ezekiel 22, 30, and it's, the, it's God speaking. And he's saying, so I sought for a man. Everybody say, God is looking for a man. He's looking for women too, all right? Don't feel bad if you're a lady in this place. But since today's Father's Day, I want to just focus uh, what we're going to be speaking about building up real men. And God is seeking men among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But the sad truth of this story is found in the last part of this verse. It says, but I found no one. But I found no one. God was looking for a man, and, and he needed a man to do something because Israel was up to no good, and he needed a man to stand in the gap and say, I'm going to live the way God wants me to live. The sad truth was that he didn't find no one. Well, fast forward to 2016 today. I think that God is saying the same thing. God is saying, I'm looking for a man that would stand in the gap and be a good father. And, you know, sometimes we have excuses. Sometimes we say, like I shared in a, a few minutes ago, sometimes we say, well, I didn't have the best role model. I didn't have the best example. How in the world am I going to know how to be a good father to my children? And I know there's some young people here in this place that, you know, you're not a father yet, but the day of tomorrow you're going to be a father, right? How many future fathers are here? Raise your hand. Future fathers, all right, come on. Yeah, raise, come on, future fathers, yeah. Of course. One day, I mean, it could probably be a long way from here. I'm not telling you you have to get married tomorrow. But, you know, we're going to be fathers one day. And when that time comes, we have to know that if we didn't have everything that we needed or all the tools or we didn't have a father figure to lead us and to teach us how to be good fathers, you know what? It doesn't mean that we're going to be unsuccessful and that that's it. I mean, we're, we're destined for failure. No. It means that God can teach us how to be good fathers. And I want to share a little bit about how we can be good fathers. God couldn't find one man to do the right thing here in Ezekiel. I can't say it's as bad today as it was in Ezekiel's time. I think that there still are a lot of good men in the world, right? We are becoming extinct, but I think that God is calling us to raise up a generation of people. And not just our physical children but also our spiritual children to be able to teach them how to be good men, teach them how to be men with values. And thank God we got to have a good amount of specimen here at JTB Church to keep raising good God-fearing men. How many say amen to that? All right, so anybody could be a father. We had a pastor that was a guest today from Argentina. For those that were here in the 11 o'clock service, one of the things he shared was that anybody could be a father. I mean, you could be a father at 13 or 14 years old. But there's a big difference between being a father, a biological father, and being a good father. There's a few things, there's a few prerequisites into being a good father, and I jotted some down here. The first one is you need to be a man. In order to be a father, you need to be a man. Number two, you need to function as a man. You need to understand that being a man, you function a certain way. Number three, you have to take responsibility as a man. Number four, you have to think like a man. Number five, you have to act like a man. Number six, you have to work like a man. What I'm trying to get at is that you will not be a good father until you are a good man. I think that growing up in our teenage years and everything, God is shaping our lives. God is forming us. God is 
preparing us for the day that we're going to become a father. And God is teaching us principles and whatnot. Today, I want to speak to you about three important things or characteristics, better said, about how to be a good father. But before that, you know how sometimes we, we talk about how difficult it is to understand women? You know, we've talked about that in the past, that women sometimes are difficult to decipher and difficult to understand, that they may say one thing, but they mean another one, right? Anybody familiar with that? Am I the only weird guy here? No? We men, we also have a code talk for the ladies here. And I just want to share a few things before we get into the word. I want to share a few things so that you could understand how we men think, all right? So this is directed especially for the recently married ladies and also for the single ladies here, all right? I call this the men's thesaurus. So here we go. Ladies, when a man says it would take too long to explain, in reality, he means I have no idea how it works. Just to save you some time. If you say, it's, baby, it's going to take a long time, you know? He doesn't know what he's talking about, all right? When a man says, take a break, honey, you're working way too hard, he really means, I can't hear the game over the vacuum cleaner or over the blending of your green juice. I can relate to that one. When a man says, it's a guy thing, what he really means is that there's no rational thought pattern connected to this, and you have no chance at all of making it logical. When a man says, can I help with dinner? He really means, why isn't it ready yet? I'm starving. When a man says, uh-huh, sure, honey, or yes, dear, he means absolutely nothing. It's just a conditioned response. When a man says, you know how bad my memory is, he means, I can remember the Transformer theme song, my best friend's phone number of the first grade, and the VIN numbers of all the cars I've ever owned, but yes, I forgot your birthday. When a man says, oh, don't fuss, I just cut myself, it's no big deal. You know, we usually try to downplay when we have an injury or something. Well, what they really mean is, I probably have a severed limb, I will bleed to death before I admit I'm hurt, so get here and help me. When a man says, you look terrific, he means, oh, please, don't try one more outfit. We're late and I'm starving. When a man says, I'm not lost, I know exactly where we are, he really means no one will ever see us alive again. When a man says, I don't think I can go today, he means shopping is not a sport. And no, I am never going to think of it that way. When a man says, I don't remember saying that, it's because he means anything I may have said six months ago is inadmissible in an argument. In fact, all past comments become null and void after seven days. And last but not least, when a man says, that's not what I meant, what he really means is, if something I said can be interpreted two ways, and one of the ways makes you sad or angry, I meant the other one. <laughs> Come on, can we put our hands together for all the men in this place? Okay, I want to use the next 20, 25 minutes to speak to you about three important things. And I want to take you through the scriptures. We're going to read a lot of verses, so I hope you have your Bibles there. And I want to share with you about good men. Good men. And like I said, if you didn't have the right example, God teaches us through his word how to be good men. It's no excuse that you can't be a good father to your children because you didn't have a good example from your father. 
because God becomes our father, like we just read. He becomes our father. He teaches us. And in the word, the word is full of examples. It's full of uh, knowledge so that we could be successful fathers. So the first thing I want to share with you is that good men are men who have learned to lean on the Lord. Everybody repeat that with me. Men who have learned to lean on the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on what? On your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. You see, that's, that's a major problem that we have because we like to lean in our own understanding. Sometimes we, we men, it's hard for us to admit that we need God's direction until we're sunk in a hole and the only person that could get us out of the hole is God. And God says, look, don't lean in your own understanding. Humble yourself and understand that you need of God. We need to lean on the Lord for a few things. First one is salvation. Everybody say salvation. You see, none of us can save ourselves. We all were born sinners, and we need the grace of God. So one of the things, the first thing that we need to lean on God for is for salvation. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. Everybody say, I can't save myself. I can't save myself. I can't save you. No one can save you. Only God saves. So we have to understand that we have been saved by grace. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So men, you know, sometimes we have control issues. Sometimes we think we have everything under control, that we don't need anybody's help. We have a tendency to want to be in control and make things happen for ourselves because we are men. In Matthew 18, Jesus tells us that we have to convert and be like children to enter the kingdom of God. And what do children do? Children are completely dependent. I see Luca running around, and the minute he, he falls or he bashes his finger or something, he comes crying to dad or to mom. Why? Because, you know, he knows that he could find refuge in dad and mom. Dad and mom will put a little band-aid, will heal whatever's wrong with him, will give him some medicine if he's feeling sick. And the Bible says that that's how we have to be. We have to lean on God for salvation. We can't save our own. We don't, we don't have it all together. We need God in our lives. How many men in this place recognize that we need God for salvation? Come on. We need him. Another thing we need to lean on the Lord for is for strength. Everybody say for strength. Some people associate, no, I'm a man. I have to be strong for my family. Yeah, but you need to be strong in God for your family. Because there's going to be times where your strength is not going to be enough. There's going to be times where you're not going to have it all together. And you're not going to know what to do. The Bible says in Isaiah 40, Verse 30, even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. I think it's curious that it's talking about youth. You know, and when you're young, you feel like, you know, you could take on the world. You're strong. You feel like you're indestructible. The Bible here, it clears it up that even when you're feeling at the top of your game, even when you're the strongest, you know, you're going to get to a point where you're going to feel weary. You're going to run and you're going to become tired. But the Bible says that those who renew their strength in God, they shall run and they shall not be weary. It doesn't matter if you're young, if you're old, if you're a father, if you're a grandfather. As long as your strength comes from God, you will run and you will not be weary. Come on. Can you put your hands together for God? 
who gives us access to his power and to his strength. God gives us strength. So we have to lean on the Lord for salvation. We have to lean on the Lord for strength. Another thing that we have to lean on the Lord, everybody say supply. Philippians 4.19 said, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So who's going to supply my needs? It's not going to be me. If I'm disconnected from the vine, if I'm disconnected from my source, I'm not going to have everything that I need. But as long as I'm connected to God, then I'm going to receive all supply that I need. I'm going to need supply to be able to raise my children. God's going to pour on that supply. You're going to need supply to be able to stand firm when there's temptation. God's going to supply. You're going to have that supply. Why? Because this doesn't come from you. It comes from Almighty God. How many say amen? And the last thing that we need to lean on the Lord to have is soundness. Everybody shout soundness. What is soundness? It's, it's reasoning. It's wisdom. We need God's wisdom. James 1.5 says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. I want to tell you something that's very important, and this is worthy of jotting down. There are only two prayers that a man can pray where the answer from God will always be yes. Only two prayers. One is salvation. You can never go to God for salvation, and God says, uh, sorry, we're full. No vacancy. God will always say yes. There's always possibility for salvation. And the other thing is for wisdom. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all. Everybody say to all. What does that mean? There's no exception. So whenever you lack wisdom, whenever you need understanding, whenever you don't understand why a situation is going on, Lean on God. Go to him. Ask God for soundness. Ask God for wisdom. Ask God for understanding. And God will not say no. He'll give you it. The reason why we don't receive it sometimes is because we don't ask. And the Bible says it clearly. Jesus said you don't receive because you don't ask. Everybody say with me. We need to learn. Come on, everybody. Everybody, we need to learn, ladies too, how to lean on the Lord for salvation, for strength, for supply, and for soundness. Now I want to talk to you about the second point. Good men are men who have learned to lead. We talked about leaning. Now we're going to talk about men leading. And what are we going to be leading? Well, before we get into leading our families, and that's one of the points that I'm going to cover, or, or leading other people, the first thing we need to learn how to lead is our flesh, because we can't lead other people if we can't lead ourselves. Come on. So the first thing we need to lead, say it real loud with me, is our flesh, our own bodies, us. Galatians 5, 16 and 17, it says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's a conditional statement. If I learn how to walk in the Spirit, if I learn how to walk with God every single day, then this will happen. I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Because let me tell you something. As long as you're in that body that you're in, you're going to always be tempted. The flesh is going to always want to do the things of the flesh. Yeah? It's going to want to fornicate. It's going to want to do this. It's going to want to lie. It's going to want to steal. It's going to want to deceive people. Lie to cover up stuff. 
But when you're living in the life of the Spirit, then you're going to be able to overcome those lusts of the flesh. And 17 says, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. So you can have all the right intentions. And this is, this is something that is so evident in the lives of not just men, but every single person. You know, we have a battle within us. There's always constant pressure. There's the spirit side and then there's the flesh side. And if you don't take time every day to seek the thing of the spirit, your flesh is going to be more powerful. It's going to drive your spirit. And you know what? You're going to end up falling for temptation, doing things that doesn't please God. And you're going to start drifting away from God's covenant and God's protection. But once you start walking in the spirit, once you start leading and taking control of your life and saying, I'm not going to lead this flesh, lead me to destruction. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit lead me into victory in every single area of my life. Then you stand up and you start leading every day by example. You start leading by walking in the spirit. And how do you do that? Just going to God, humbling yourself, knowing that you can't do it on your own. The Holy Spirit gives you strength on Monday. The Holy Spirit gives you strength on Tuesday. The Holy Spirit gives you strength on Wednesday. You feel good when temptation comes. It's not a struggle like it was before that you're like, oh my gosh, I can't. This is too much. Boom. And, and you fall again. No, you overcome sin and it wasn't even hard. Why? Because you're living a life of the Spirit and you're leading your flesh. Touch someone close to you and tell you before you can lead anybody, you got to learn how to lead yourself. And once you learn how to walk in the Spirit, once you learn how to, as men, be determined to lead your flesh, then you have the authority to lead your family. Ephesians 5.23, God established this. He said, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Now, when it's talking about headship here, it's not talking about being the big boss and telling your wife everything that she has to do or just exerting machismo, right? You know, some Latin American countries are, are very prominent in this. You know, the, the man dictates what to do and the woman can't even say anything. It, it's not that kind of relationship. He's talking about a loving leadership. He's talking about leading through love, leading through example. God assigned one head to each family. Because anything with two heads is what? It's a monster. Come on. Anything with two heads is a monster. So God established in the church that Christ is the head of the church. So Jesus leads the church. What Jesus says, it's what's done in the church. I am submitted to Jesus. If I just do whatever the heck I want, I'm not a person that's doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Because I have to be connected to the source. But also, in the family relationship... The Bible says that the man is the head of the household. That's not just something so you could start giving orders. It's a responsibility. How many say amen? It's more a responsibility than it is a privilege. The hardest thing you will ever do in life, to all the men here, is be a good husband to your wife. That's the biggest challenge every single man here will have in life. Be a good husband to your wife and a good father to your children. In 1 Samuel 3.13, you can look it up later in your house, it talks about Eli. This guy was a high priest. This guy was the main man in Israel. I mean, he was, there's a bunch of priests, but there's one high priest 
that guy goes into the holies of holies once a year. He talks to God on behalf of the people, and he gets the people's sins remiss for a whole year. This guy was the main man. But the Bible says that he didn't know how to lead his family. His children were sleeping with girls outside the temple, and all he would say is, guys, guys, you know, you guys shouldn't be doing this. And, and he didn't have authority to lead his family. And the Bible says that because of that, his whole family that was supposed to continue on in all this high priest calling were cut off and little Samuel that was brought once, you guys remember the story, he was brought to the temple and he grew up in the temple. He was the one that took over the sacerdotal duties. Now, why? Be just because this guy didn't have authority to lead our families. As men, we need to be able to lead our flesh, lead ourselves, and also to be able to lead our families. David also is another example in 1 Kings 1 five and six, you can see that David could run a kingdom. David was able to lead many men into battles, have many victories, but he couldn't run his children. Everybody say, it's important that I seek godly wisdom to lead my family. And God can help you do that. And then the last thing that I want to talk to you about learning how to lead is lead the fallen back to Jesus. Everybody say, I'm called to lead the fallen or to lead the lost back to Jesus. And 1 Corinthians 15, 22 says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. It's a beautiful verse. But they won't be made alive unless we do our part in leading the lost back to Christ. As people of God, as men, anointed by God, we have to understand that we're called to lead, to lead our lives in the example of our families, to lead our lives to overcome the flesh, to lead our families, and to lead the fallen back to Jesus. And last but not least, I want to talk to you about, in order to be good men, we have to be men who have learned to love. Talked about learning to lean on God, talked about learning to lead ourselves, others, and now we're going to talk about learning to love. The first thing we have to love is our Father. Everybody say, I've been called to love the Father. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, it says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have no love, I have become sounding brass or a clangling cymbal. Let me, let me tell you, when we're worshiping here, the praise and worship team is going on and and the drummer is smashing the cymbals. And it sounds in unison and in harmony. And hitting them in the right places, I mean, it adds to the music. It creates an atmosphere of praise and worship, right? It's amazing. But if I go right now with a stick and I just smash that cymbal, you'd be like, that is the nastiest sound, most annoyingest sound in the world. And the Bible says that if we do all these amazing things, we can speak in tongues and we give money to the poor and we do all these things, but we don't have love for our brothers and sisters. In the eyes of God or in the ears of God, we sound like a clanging cymbal. <laughs> Annoying. So everybody say love is so important. We're supposed to love God. The Bible says that the first and greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your strength, with all your might, with all your heart, with everything you have. And after loving God, we have to love our family. God admonishes every husband to love their wives. We talked about the man being the head of the household, right? 
He's the head of the household. He's the priest of the home. But he has an order given by God that we ought to love our wives. This may seem a little strange admonition to some. Some will say maybe, well, duh, if I didn't love her, I wouldn't have married her. Of course I have to love her. But love is more than just an emotional feeling or just a satisfaction that you have inside. It means that you or I are going to seek the welfare, the happiness of that person, and we're going to love them and lead them with everything that we have. It means that my effort will be to make the object of my love happy, secure, and comfortable. It means that I have a mission, a life mission, not just a mission for a few years, of not just trying to get everybody to serve me, but as a man, being the head of the household, God requires me to love my wife. And love, if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you start seeing that love always gives. It doesn't seek to receive. It's always thinking of the other person. How many say amen? Come on, say God has called me to love my family. A man was talking to his wife after she had done something that seriously offended him. And he said to her, how can you be so beautiful and dumb at the same time? This guy doesn't go to JTP. And she replied, God made me beautiful so you would love me. And he made me dumb so I would love you. <laughs> we can't think like this. We have to understand that it's a privilege to have a person to share our lives with. It's a decision to love someone. And when you understand that God put that person next to you so that you could love her just like he loved you, man, let me tell you, that's a pretty high standard. How deep was God's love for the church? He gave it all. He gave his only son what he loved the most and what he only had. He didn't have five sons, and he gave one, 20%. No, he gave 100%. He gave his only begotten son. He gave it for the church that turned their backs on him. That's how deep God's love was for us. And that's how deep God expects you to love your wife, to be able to love her to the end. That's sacrificial love. How many say amen? God calls us to love our families, our wives as men. And the last thing that I want to talk to you about is that God calls us to love the church. Ephesians 5.25 says, Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. We are to love the people the same way. How many of you guys love coming to church? Yeah? Well, you know, it wouldn't be as amazing coming to church if every single other person that comes here wouldn't come. Imagine you coming to church and it would just be the preacher and you. It wouldn't be the same thing. Why? Because who makes up the church? The people. The church is not made out of a building. They could come and take this building away, but they can't stop the church because the church is the people. And God calls us to love the church, to love the church. I, I was reading some post today about Father's Day. I've been, you know, staying off social media for quite some time already because barely have time and it's very time consuming and you could get easily hooked. So sometimes I just rather not even open the apps. But today I started looking at some posts because, you know, I know that Carly sent me a post and I wanted to see what she wrote. And I, I read a few others. I had time to read two or three and somebody posted that they love coming to JTP and I love coming to my church. And I said, that's so amazing that people love to come to fellowship. And this is a family. This is what we are. We're not perfect, right? We don't got it all together. 
But we love to come here because, number one, we connect with God. We get a chance to be able to say, God, thank you for another week. Thank you for another day. You've been good with me. You've been good with my family. Thank you for my father or thank you for my family, for my children, my wife. But also we get a chance to relate with other people. That's why small groups are so important too because you get to do life. You're having church in your house, right? Just because you're not here in the building, in the main sanctuary, doesn't mean that it's not church. So God calls us as people to love the church, love the people. Come on, put your hands around two or three people around you and tell them, I love you, man. Call to love. God has changed the lives of many men here, and he continues to do so week after week. We see testimonies of how God changes and, and sets people free from addictions, fixes marriages, brings people together, things that man cannot do. And it's just amazing when you start seeing the power of God manifest in a supernatural way. And we see it week after week. It's never too late. With God, it's never too late. There's always an outstretched hand out to help whenever you approach God with a humble heart. You can't approach God thinking you got it all together and saying, yeah, maybe, maybe I've messed up a bit, but you know what, God, I, could, I know how to handle this. I could do this on my own. It's not going to happen. But when you come and you humble yourself before God and say, you know what, maybe I haven't had the right example or the right role model in my life, but God, I want to make a commitment that from now on, God, you teach me how to be a father because the day of tomorrow, I'm going to be married for the single people here. Or maybe you're a father that just got married and, or a father that's been married and you already have children. And maybe up to this point, you haven't done a job that you are happy with, but you want God to help you. You know what? I think that it's not too late. And I think that God's here with us. And I want to just close off with Ezekiel 22:30 once again, the verse we just finished reading at the beginning. It said, so I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. You see, God is almighty and he's all powerful. But in order for God to execute something on earth, in order for God to command his blessing, in order for God to do something here on earth, he needs someone. God uses people. God uses men. God uses women. God uses us. But he's looking for people. And if he doesn't find one, God could have all the intentions of doing something amazing in your family. But if you're not willing to say, God, here I am. I need you. Help me. It's not going to happen. But the minute, the minute, the minute, and I said that this is the only prayer, this one in salvation, that God will never say no to. When you ask God for wisdom, when you ask God, God, give me the wisdom. Teach me how to be a better man. Teach me how to be a better husband. The minute you do that, God is open. God starts pouring into you. And God starts teaching you. And you know what? I'm here to declare. I know some of you haven't had the best role model as a father. Some of you guys haven't even had a father. But you know what? The Bible says that God is going to pick you up. God's going to teach you. And you're going to be an amazing father. Whatever curse was evident in your life to this point God's gonna cut it and you're gonna start to be an example the day you get married for all the single people you're gonna be an excellent father you'd be surprised how many young people 
are afraid of getting married because of the fear that they're not going to live up to their own expectations. Sometimes when you haven't had the right example and you didn't grow up with your father, you have that fear of saying, man, you know, I'm scared. I'm scared. What, what, if, I, what if I'm not a good father? What if I'm, you know, I do the same thing and, and I leave just like my, and, and, and sometimes we have that fear. But when you let God and you let go of yourself, God starts restoring you. God starts you know, speaking over your lives. God starts prophesying and he starts showing you the destiny that he has for your life, the destiny that he has for your family. I'm here to tell you that you're going to have an amazing family. I'm here to tell all the single men here, as long as you are that person and you say, God, here I am when he's looking for you, you're going to have an amazing family. God's going to take care of the whole process. He's going to guide you to find the right person that's going to love you and not be cheating with every single person on the corner. He's going to find you the right woman, a woman that's, that has a heart for God. He's going to give you an amazing family and you're going to be able to enjoy how amazing it is to be a father. I'm enjoying an amazing time in my life. Luca is such a blessing. I'm, I'm married to an, an amazing woman. Carly is just, she's an excellent mom. She's super mom. And I, I see her, how she takes care of Luca, and I'm like, man, you know what? I am so blessed. I am so blessed. And I want everybody to know that there's still a God that's seeking men and seeking women to stand in the gap and say, God, I'm here. I'm standing in the gap for my family. And maybe you're not a man. Maybe you're a young lady. Maybe you're a woman here, and you're like, I came to the service, and it was just for the men. No, you know what? God needs women also to stand in the gap. And say, God, for the sake of my family, for the sake of my emotional life, I'm standing in the gap for my family. God, I need you to help me. And God's going to connect you. Maybe there's people here that's been divorced. Maybe there's people here that are crying to God for a lost husband, a husband that his heart has grown cold toward the things of the Lord. You know what? God is seeking women that will stand in the gap on behalf of your family so that God could do a mighty work. And trust me, he's not going to leave you alone. And he's not going to quit until your family is restored and blessed. How many say amen? Stand on your feet, please. Maybe there's young ladies here, single ladies, that you didn't have a good example from your father. And... You don't know what it is to be in a peaceful home or in a blessed home. You hear other people talk about it, but it's so far-fetched. It seems like a, like a dream. What, what's common to some people may seem like a dream to you. But I'm here to tell you that if you stand in the gap, if you tell God, here I am, I'm the person that you're looking for, and I'm, I'm ready to do everything that you want to guide me to do, God will pick you up God will show you the way and everything that has gone wrong to this day God will make sure that the minute you find somebody and you start dating someone and you start establishing a relationship the day of tomorrow you get married he'll make sure that every curse that has hindered your family till this day will be broken and from now on God will start building blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing and people in your family, your generations, 
will be able to see that there was something that was broken. Yeah, maybe, maybe dad, maybe grandfather, maybe it was a crazy family. Maybe it was, you know, it was cursed with divorce. Everybody in your family was divorced, cursed with abandonment, cursed with domestic abuse, cursed with all these negative things. But when you take a stand and you stand in the gap, God now starts building a foundation of blessing over your life. And I believe that that's what God wants to do tonight. I want to do a calling, not just for men that want to stand up for their families and for their generation and say, I want to start from today to lean on God, to learn how to love others, and to learn how to lead others. I also want to call women today that want to also say, you know, from this day on, I want to, I want to lean on God. I want to stand in the gap. And I want to trust God. Maybe you think that it's too impossible, it's too late, or too difficult for you to see God do a work. But you know what? I want to encourage you. Trust God. It's never too late. Trust God. I want to call the men over here that want to make a firm decision to say, God, I want to lead my family in fear of you. And I realize that I can't do it on my own. I can't do it in my own strength. I need to learn how to lean on you. I need to learn how to lead my family through you. And I need to learn how to love others through you. Father God, I thank you for every single person in this place that's recognizing how dependent on you they are. The Bible says that without you, we can do nothing. We need you. We need you. We need you, Father, in our lives. We need you to teach us how to lean on you, how to lead others, how to lead our families how to restore things that have been broken, Father. And I thank you for every single person here in this place that's taken the decision to be able to come up here and recognize that they need from you. I pray that your Holy Spirit will take control and start to pour out wisdom, understanding. In Jesus' name, God, I declare that you're going to start to speak to them specifically to their needs. You're going to start, God, to be able to heal every single situation and every single thing from the past that they've seen God and you're going to start to in its place start to put on a strong foundation for what you have for their future in Jesus name I declare God that every bondage every curse from the past in Jesus name everything they've experienced in the past that has marked them I declare freedom in Jesus name and I declare that you're healing wounds you're healing wounds father you're softening hearts in Jesus name I declare the power of God operating in their lives in a supernatural way. And I declare, God, that the day they get married, Father, the day that, the day that they find the person that you have for them, God, I declare that they're going to build a marriage and a relationship up in the fear of God. They're going to build, God, that relationship up according to you in Jesus' name. name that if God is for us no one can stand against us if God is building our family if God is for us everything we do from this point on will be prospered everything we do starting with our lives will be a blessing it doesn't matter how bad our past was God is gonna make sure that from this day on everything you start building will be in prosperity will be in peace will be restoring all the last thing that has been lost the power of God is upon